Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're here with Bill Powers with RTO Property. And Bill, we'd love to kick this off with a story. Can you please tell me one of your craziest real estate stories or transactions that you've ever faced? Sure. Um, and, and thanks for having me on guys. Um, so the, um, I guess the craziest story I have is always the regret of a sale. Um, uh, I, uh, I, I, uh, bought a property down in Siesta Key, Florida back in 2015, and I continued to hunt down there for other investment opportunities, found a deeply distressed home, um, about a quarter mile from the one I bought, uh, uh, back in 15, I bought this one in, I think it was 18 or 19. I think it was nine. It was 19 and, uh, struggled to find contractors, uh, to, to work on the property, held it for a year. The market went up a little bit, just, just a little. And, uh, me and my investor that we're in on it together, we said, you know, let's just, let's, let's just, uh, kill it. Let's sell it. Um, we, basically broke even. We scratched on the sale, bought it at 460, sold it at about 490. Um, and, you know, just threw in the towel. And it's really the first time I've ever done that after, I don't know, what, four or five, 500 homes that I've rehabbed and, and rented. And, <laughs> um, and then the market and then COVID hit, I think shortly after that, or we were in COVID, um, the market took off. And it's um, it's the biggest regret I have mm. because just as a piece of land, the property would have at least doubled, maybe tripled. And if it was uh, if it was uh, renovated like it should have been, it's probably quadrupled by now. So, um, you know, just uh, assets are best held mm. is, is the moral of that story. And, um, uh, you know, when you can't find a, a construction crew, keep looking mm -hmm. because Eventually we did. And now, you know, Florida is going to be one of the biggest areas that we have development in. And um, we've renovated uh, half of uh, eight homes down there now. And uh, we continue to go and now we're going to start to build. So, um, you know, just, it, that was a that was a disappointing one. But, you, know, you don't win them all. Yeah. Well, I mean, four to five hundred homes. And this is your first regret. That's incredibly impressive. We interviewed a guy a couple of weeks ago that I think lost money on like 12 of his first 20. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, kudos <laughs> to you, uh, to have that many successes and, and what a great yeah. lesson too. I mean, obviously every decision 30 years ago to buy property is a good decision today. So yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind yeah. taking us back, kind of take us back into what got you into real estate and what's your journey been like? Sure. So, um, it was, uh, uh, it was really the bottom of the crash here in Illinois at the end, at the kind of the beginning end of 2000, it was, the, it was the middle of 2010. Mm. And I had just exited a uh, partnership in a manufacturing company close by here in uh, Northern Illinois to me, um, was um, uh, in a business that tripled in size in three years. And my partner said, yeah, you know, we, we want to buy you out. And disappointing for me, but um, the most fortunate thing that ever happened. Uh, my wife suggested, hey, let's uh, let's go out and buy some rental properties in the blue collar town that she grew up in, which is called Waukegan. And I, I said, there's no way I'm going to buy real estate in that town. 
Um, you know, you can see what's hmm. happening with the market. It's terrible. We, we shouldn't do that. And she's like, she stayed on it. And she's like, no, let's, let's do that. You know, I, th I think real estate would be a, a good thing. So I went out and talked to a few people. We found a property in another town kind of nearby, which was a little bit better town. And we bought our first house uh, back in uh, July of uh, 2010 for 84 grand. Uh, made every single mistake I could make on that house um, as an investor. Took too long to rehab. Uh, I did too much to it. Um, I did, in other cases, too little to it. Picked the wrong tenant. Didn't know how to pick a tenant. Um, yeah, just, it was a disaster. But uh, I looked at that and I looked at our investment opportunities and said, you know, these numbers make sense. You know, when you can buy... I looked at some other properties in the town that she grew up in. You can buy for 30, you can fix up for 20 and you can rent for a thousand. Wow. And that was back then. Um, that'll 2%. work. So, yeah. That's incredible. 2%, mm -hmm. Yeah. And before, yeah. <laughs> before I was on uh, the bigger pockets podcast, I, you know, we followed that formula before I even knew what that formula mm -hmm. was. And uh, sometimes we got up to two and a half. Sometimes we got up to three. Wow. It was back then it was crazy. Yeah. So um, started looking at those and bought a half a dozen and half a dozen of those and um, kind of stopped. You know, I was looking for other career opportunities. Um, our local credit union came to us and said, well, would you like to put debt on those? And this is when nobody was putting debt on real estate. But we've been a longtime customer of the credit union. They did it. We debted out, took the cash, bought another five, debted out, bought another ten and just kept going those next couple of years. And then some family and friends said, hey, can you do this for mm. us? And so they provided some capital. So that's when we started to, to grow. Uh, we built individual portfolios for other people. Uh, we built our own. And um, you know, now today we're um, 350 units. We've flipped about 80, uh, more than that, uh, maybe about, well, about, about another, we flipped another 80 homes, um, done another, um, 50 homes for other investors. So it's, uh, it's been a good journey. That's incredible. So this thing started in 2008, 2009, 10, 2010. And, and, and in, Go ahead. Yeah. And in earnest, really 2011 yeah. is really what we started to buy heavy. 11 years, zero to 350 units. That is nuts. Not only that, but during the same time frame, 80 flips, and you mentioned you helped another 50 people flip. I mean, that's a pretty impressive track record over an 11 year yeah, period. We've been, we've been fortunate with the team we've built. Um, and the, the, um, it, it's just all about the people you, you kind of build as a team, uh, up until 60 units, we were self-managing or I was managing, right. I'd take all the phone calls, lease all the units, do everything. And then I was fortunate enough to meet a lady by the name of, uh, Linda Libatori. And she started a business called Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One is what I call a property management light company. So what they do is they do all the back end work for you from a property management standpoint that um, is the time suck, mm. right? Is the phone calls and the billing and the collections and the statements and getting contractors out to the sites to handle stuff that needs to be done. and. We formed a relationship. I uh, turned all my properties over to her to manage. And still to this day, um, regrettably, she passed a couple of years mm. ago. Uh, but her, um, uh, the ladies that she started or built the business with stayed on. And um, they, 
have a successful business. They manage all of our 350 units and they handle all the back end stuff. And when you can do that in your business, when you can take the piece of, of, of the business that sucks the most time out of you and really and it, it enables you to focus on things that can make more money, um, then you can grow. But if you don't do that, if you try to control everything in your business, um, it's not going to enable you to grow the way the opportunities might present themselves. Totally. And you were managing 60 units yourself. Like that is, that is a big, big number. What was your wife's involvement at the time? None really. She's a school teacher. Uh, we had three younger kids and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, the trick to our, um, being able to do that many units is we always set our business up so that we didn't have a lot of leasing to do. Mm. And the way we did that is we signed three year leases with all of our residents, not one year leases. Um, as an, and as I mentioned to you guys, before we started the podcast, all of our stuff is rent to own. So, um, when somebody moves into a property, we're, we're telling them, Hey, you have a chance to buy this property, uh, within the three year lease. You get a credit every month of $150 towards the purchase of your home uh, to buy that property. So you're accumulating a down payment, um, uh, additional monies to, to execute on that transaction. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're essentially uh, not having to lease that unit every year or two. Um, it's, it's really takes a burden off of us from that standpoint. And uh, it's, it's turned out well. Mm. So, yeah. So then... If you are doing this method, then in theory, right, tenants are buying your properties, but you still accumulated 350 units. Can you give us the breakdown yeah. of what percentage of your tenants actually end up buying the properties? Unfortunately, it's very, very low. Um, you know, and um, uh, other investors will look at me and say, well, that's that's really fortunate, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're, you, you have this premium rent that you're charging, and when they don't execute on the, the agreement, um, they don't get that $150 a month back. It's a deposit towards a purchase, which doesn't happen. Um, and, you know, my viewpoint is I'd really like to build more home ownership here in mm. this blue collar town that my wife grew up in. My mother-in-law has lived here for 60 years. Uh, so we provide education for all of our tenants for, um, you know, how to be financially um, uh, prudent, how, you know, pre-homeowners classes through a local nonprofit that I'm a part of. Uh, and, you know, we try to, you know, lead the horse to water as much as possible. Oftentimes they're, you know, they just don't drink and it's, uh, it's about a 2%, um, uh, transaction rate. So it's very low, but recently, you know, we've gotten some, some sales, uh, which is great because, um, and it's bittersweet because you, you set the price for the home that they're going to buy three years before the transaction mm -hmm. happens. What's happened mm -hmm. in our market, yeah. right? Right. So, yeah, rapid increase in exactly. value. <laughs> so, so sometimes, you know, you look at it and you go, wow, that's, that's 50,000 under value. Mm -hmm. Right. But I've owned the home for five or 10 years. I've made very good rent on it. And, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, I mean, you don't have to squeeze every last dollar out of every transaction. Um, and it gives you op the opportunity to kind of do the right thing for people who are trying to build the American dream and, uh, build wealth because the number one way to build 
wealth for working class families in the United States really is is real estate ownership, right? 100%. And, you know, I think um, your numbers are fairly standard. These lease options and rent to own programs, I mean, they have an extremely high failure rate, unfortunately. So, I mean, it's not you're doing everything in your power that you possibly can to make sure that they're able to execute the option, which I think is the alternative. As most people, they just kind of take a large down payment, throw somebody in there, and they don't care what happens because they could just put somebody else right. in. Yeah, we don't take any down payment. Um, we we require that uh, somebody has a 600 credit score, which is you know, uh, on their way to homeownership. Uh, we require that their income is three times the rent, and uh, we require that they pay first month's rent last month's rent so that 36th month right and security deposit and when we get people like that who've been in jobs for two plus years and have solid um, uh, family or household income um, it gives them the best chance to execute on these things and we've started to see more and more and more of them so it's it's a good thing yeah super cool and then as far as like you talked about premium rents if you were to take a, a survey of the rent in that area, is it like a 10%, 20% premium? How do you guys factor your premiums? Yeah, I'd say we're at least 10, if not 20. Mm-hmm. You know, we we um, we provide the highest quality product, mm-hmm. but we charge the highest price. Love it. Right. So it's not uh, it's not lipstick on a pig. It's um, granite, stainless, hardwood, new windows, new mechanicals. It's, you know, it's the best product in the market. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the end of leases where either we want to exit the property or say one of our clients says, hey, Bill, you know, we've rented this for six or nine years. You know, we want to sell it. It's, it's time. We're going to take some cash out of this one and we're going to go move it to, you know, a lot of our clients are actually moving to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, um, when we go to sell it, we don't have to do a ton to it, right? Because the new roof is already there. Um, the, you know, the, the finishings in the home are at a level that it's ready for a top dollar sale in that market. And that's, that's one of the keys to success as well. Yeah. Well, and those are good premiums. I mean, and if you're getting long, long run rates, three, four years, no turnover, you're recuperating any extra spend on making it such a quality product. Like you said, when you go to sell it, it makes it easy. Our average tenancy, even with, um, our apartments and our apartments, uh, uh, constitute about 40% of our portfolio, uh, our average is just under six years on tenancy. So it, it really, it minimizes the, the turnover cost, the turnover, you know, the, the leasing, the whole process that everybody knows is the biggest um, uh, expense for a real estate organization. Obviously, you had a great 11-year stretch. Can you talk about like some of the biggest challenges or struggles you faced while growing this massive business? You know, um, um people, right? I mean, just keeping, you know, processing stuff fast enough so that you can um, continue to put it on the market and, and um, uh, flip in a timely manner when we're flipping. Um, uh, and the other piece, honestly, was financing, right? So early on, even though we could get these little blocks of capital that were, you know, two hundred dollars or $300,000 from the local credit union, you know, local lenders, uh, that's portfolio loans, and they get to limits, Right. So then you have to find another one that's going to provide you the rates that are going to be um, going to be effective for you. Um, and I look back now and I, you know, I, I say, well, if I could have found another few million dollars in capital, you know, this thing could have been double the size that it is because, um, uh, you know, that that capital was so valuable back then. So and it's still valuable today. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not so much 
the, the, the capital that you can get from banks because now that you have a track record, hey, they'll all come to you and they'll, they'll make it happen. Now for us, it's a, you know, we're, we're searching for equity and uh, development opportunities. And that's, um, that's um, uh, the path we're going down now. And, it, and it's, been, uh, it's been good, but we're always looking for, for more people who are looking to uh, dip their toe in real estate and make some good money. Love it. Yeah. Take us into that development. So you're talking about the development of these places down in Florida, your short-term yep. rentals. Take us into that. Yeah, sure. So um, um, a couple years ago, um, we started to, to explore a market down in uh, Southwest Florida. It's Cape Coral. Uh, and we looked at builders. We looked at rental rates. We looked at um, short-term rental um, so, uh, we had a home in Siesta Key. So the, the first thing I started to do was build out a, a short-term rental portfolio down in the Sarasota market. Um, and it's, it's more midterm than short-term, right? Midterm rentals is a, a 30 to 60 to 90 day, even six months, right? Snowbirds, um, um, work assignments, moving into the area, moving out of the area, that those type of folks. So we started to, we built that out and we've got half a dozen units there, but then we uh, connected with a company that uh, is um, basically our GC on these projects. And uh, we've bought 60 lots. Uh, we're out for permit on 22 of those to build. Uh, basically it's, it's, um, it's workforce housing, mm. right? It's basic homes. They're, they're three bedroom, two bath, they're four bedroom, three bath. Uh, and uh, half of the portfolio is planned to be long-term rental. Uh, half of the portfolio is planned to be uh, short-term rental. So um, uh, vacation type of property with a small pool in the mm. back, uh, someplace that you can come for a week or two or midterm stays. And um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's our plan. We're, we're moving down that road. It's a little slow, unfortunately, because Cape Coral is one of the one of the markets that's just booming down in uh, Southwest Florida and the, the permitting department in the county is just terribly, terribly slow, um, which you can understand, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's, it's a little frustrating, but, uh, but you know, things are moving along and we're happy with the progress our builders making and um, happy with the way the project's going forward. And uh, so, yeah, heading down. The road. Yeah. I guess one of the costs of, I mean, cause obviously you're picking areas that are developing, which is a key strategy for appreciation. Mm -hmm. But obviously, yeah, like one of the difficulties is you've got everybody's building there. Um, do they seem yeah. to be fairly lax there as far as what they'll let you do? It's just a matter of, of, of timing or, or as they're getting busier, are they getting more picky as to what they'll allow to be built? No, I, you know, it, it's not the uh, most, uh, uh, according to our GC, right? Yeah. I'm not actually, you know, um, um, uh, I'm not actually interacting directly with the county, mm -hmm. but from my experience in doing it up in Sarasota, they're not quite as, as strict mm. as some other counties, but they, you know, there's still requirements that are going to provide uh, long-term a, a quality home. That's, you know, not going to be a detriment to the community. Um, you know, th there are uh, hurricane uh, ratings for each one of the homes um, that are required in your building. And um, our building technologies are, um, are something that well exceed those. Mm. And um, uh, so, yeah, so we're, we're happy. We, um, uh, our builder was able to um, woo away the one of the um, main um, folks from uh, one of the large builders down there. He was with, um, I don't know if it was DR Horton or Lennar, one of the big boys for seven or eight years. And he's leading the charge and building out all these homes for us mm. and for all their other clients that are 
trying to build rental portfolios down there. And um, and there's there's options both ways. I, you know, I, I always tell folks, um, you know, have two or three exit points in every acquisition, every product that you are building. And uh, we have sale opportunities in these, even though we don't plan to sell them. There's going to be a lot of built-in equity based on our build costs, fortunately. And uh, and so we could sell the asset if we wanted to, either to, um, you know, uh, out-of-town investors that are trying to 1031 exchange into, into investments down there uh, and buy something for 400 that we're able to build for three. Um, or, or there's, you know, Wall Street. I mean, there, there's all kinds of hedge funds that are buying up even scattered site. And our, our strategy is scattered site. It's not, it's not single site development. Uh, and, um, uh, but our, our long-term strategy is to build and hold that portfolio mm. and manage it ourselves. Interesting. And if we talk about long, long-term strategy, is it still to hold or is it maybe a roll-up strategy where you're looking to sell the private money or? No, I, it, it's, it's long, long-term, mm. right? I, you know, um, that, you know, this will get us, we have another development that we're working on in, um, uh, up in Sarasota County. That's a little smaller. It's 20 units, townhomes. Um, so, you know, that, uh, that hopefully gets us to 500 and then, you know, eventually maybe to a thousand and it's just to build the portfolio, um, and, you know, and manage it long-term. So in regards to your midterm, um, rental strategy, I imagine those are furnished, like what kind of marketing strategies do you use in order to get those filled? So, um, so we've done half a dozen of these down in Sarasota, but the biggest part of our furnished rental portfolio is, um, uh, is in uh, Illinois here in a town called Libertyville, actually where I live. Uh, best way to describe Libertyville, Illinois is it's Mayberry, mm-hmm. right? So it's this, uh, you know, nice little community with a nice downtown and restaurants and bars and shopping and, um, you know, um, parks and, you know, it's, uh, it's a, um, um, it's Mayberry, right? So, so we built out 30 units there that are Airbnbs and we, um, they don't have any Airbnb restrictions in the town. Um, which is fortunate for us. That's part of the reason why we picked the town and built out our portfolio. Um, the other reason we picked that town was it's close to the only um, naval training station now in the United States. So there's mm-hmm. 800 cadets that go through training and go through graduation every single week. There's 40,000 a year that go through the program. Uh, and, um, and so we garnered the business of the parents coming in for the vacations or for the graduations to stay in our units. And that was initially our biggest um, part of our, um, our revenue from this, this group. But then we got into midterm rentals. We priced our product a little bit less than the short-term rates. Say a short-term rate is 250 or $300 a night for a two or three bedroom property. We dropped that down to 175 or 200. And that's the way we garnered this uh, midterm rental market it's um, uh, it's uh, people moving into the area can't find a home yet. People moving out sold too soon. Work assignments, uh, reverse snowbirds up here. So they come in from May until September. Um, they come in for you know a variety of reasons. It's it's amazing um, that uh, that we have so much long term or midterm compared to short term. So it shifted the business from eighty percent. Um, three and four day stays, short term stuff to 65% midterm and 35% short term. And um, it's it's worked really well. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. 
We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So interesting. And so essentially what you're doing is running as much midterm as you possibly can. And then are you just filling the vacancies with short term? Yeah. Um, you know, we'll take a, we'll take a short term booking on a property two weeks out, four weeks out, six weeks mm -hmm. out. If we get a long-term booking, we'll take that client who's in that property and, you know, um, blocking our reservation for the other one and we'll upgrade them or we'll give them half off and to take another property that's comparable. Um, so that, you know, they're satisfied, you know, they got what they wanted. We got our long-term stays. So it drives our occupancy up into the, I, I'd say right now we're high eighties, low nineties mm -hmm. for, um, for any kind of hotel environment, hospitality, um, short-term booking type of business. That's a phenomenal occupancy rate. So we're, we're real happy with it. And, um, it's, it's driven a, a large portion of our profitability. So crazy too, that you don't have to give up that much of your rate to go long-term and have way less management, cleaning, et cetera. Yeah. The, the formula for us really is, you know, if we have a, a two bedroom apartment here in, in Libertyville, that's uh, normally rents for say 2000 a month. Um, we try to get on our midterm rates, uh, four to $5,000 a month. And if it was a solid block of 30 days of short term, that number is more like six or $7,000 a month it's hard to get solid blocks of short-term stays. You know, this guy's in from Monday to Thursday, and then we got somebody, you know, one day changeover, and then you got Thursday to, to Sunday, and then one day changeover. I mean, we've got a great cleaning crew, and, you know, we, we eliminate that loss of day mm -hmm. um, almost every single time. But it's hard to get those bookings long, uh, those, you know, all those short-term bookings back to back to back. So the midterm stuff really augments that in a way that, drives profitability. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier on a cleaning crew if you've got 30 properties all in one town. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many cleaning people do you need for that size of portfolio? It's not, it's not as big as you mm. think. It's, uh, we have, we have three, uh, three folks that, that handle that. Um, my office manager handles all the bookings for the midterm stuff. And then we use a company called, uh, plus vacation rentals. Uh, your listeners should write that mm. down guy is amazing. He's got 80 properties, 90 properties now all over the country, including our 30. And he is, um, he's a genius when it comes to building out a short-term rental business, right? 
uh, his systems with uh, VAs, virtual assistants overseas that handle all those transactions and um, handle all those inquiries and guest requests and all that stuff. Um, he's got uh, the cleaning set up on an automated system with an app with the cleaners so that they know when their cleanings need to be done. And, you know, um, it's, it's totally automated. So it's, it's, it's great. He's a, he's a genius. He, he used to live uh, locally here near Libertyville in a town called Lincolnshire and um, decided, no, I'm, I'm done with Illinois, mm. as many mm-hmm. people are. And he moved down to Marco Island and manages our properties up here in Libertyville, Sarasota. Um, he does the um, he does properties at Oxford, Mississippi and Austin, Texas and Nashville and all over the place. And he builds out his cleaning crews to handle uh, whatever needs to be done and does a great job with it. He's um, yeah, Mark Dennis. Played in the NFL for 10 years hmm. with Dan Marino. And, um, really cool guy. Dang. Wonderful story. That's nuts. Yep. So he's high IQ, obviously, automation. And mm-hmm. in the NFL, like that's like elite on two levels. That's, right. that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, um, he, you know, it's, I, I don't think Mark and I would, would either one of us would say we're we're all that smart Mm -hmm. but you know if you surround yourself with the right people he gets involved in these mastermind groups of people who arbitrage 80 or 100 or 200 units out in la right they'll rent the apartment build it out for airbnb and then they'll take the delta and you know they have to build systems that are very efficient and he kind of you know uh copies those Mm. and uh you know it's you just you learn sounds like you're actually you're really good at focusing on building your business and not working inside of your business like you mentioned already um outsourcing all these super time consuming tasks yeah. like what you outsourced to him that was obviously a brilliant move and it was executed well as well as the property management thing so i mean just props to you for that because a lot of people could get stuck in the weeds and end up doing too much and not focus on income producing activities yeah there for me there's a balance mm-hmm. there right i you know i um, if you talk to some of my friends who, you know, we get together and have, you know, a bourbon and a cigar every few weeks that are also real estate investors, they'll tell you, Bill, you work too much in your business. And I probably still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but more and more you try to work on your business and that you're right. That's it's a key to being able to grow and get out of um, the day to day. And uh, um, as much as we built out our team, I'm still in it with monitoring flips and, you know, rehabs and make readies and um but working on the financing working on the acquisitions working on the bigger developments is is really more and more where i'm spending my time you seem to have obviously a a very elevated sense of concern for the people that are you're renting to very conscientious in a lot of the things that you're doing a lot of real estate investors we talk to are really all about the dollar maximizing the dollar you seem to have a more holistic approach to how you're running your business, which is really refreshing. Can you talk about maybe where that comes from? Was that always that way? You know, um, um, when we were going to, when we were going to start this business, I sat down with two gentlemen, uh, one owned rental property in this little town called Waukegan that we've invested in. And another one was a real estate agent here. And, uh, they, they both said, yeah, buy the, buy the cheapest house you can. Um, fix it up as little as possible and Hmm. charge the least amount of rent you can in order to keep that tenant in there. And I thought about that strategy and I thought about my background in, um, uh, I was, uh, 
I started a business in college that uh, we made uh, bicycle equipment. It was uh, aerodynamic handlebars for triathletes called Profile. And we always tried to build the highest quality product, mm. right? Um, you know, we, we, you know, use the best materials and find the best contractors. So it was kind of in my blood to provide the best product. And so that strategy with the tenants of, you know, the, the least expensive and the cheapest and didn't, didn't, uh, uh resonate with mm. me. So I went completely the opposite end and it attracts the best people, right? You could be in a blue collar town where there's not a great, um, uh, subset of renters right but if you can take the cream off of that then th those are those can be really good folks and um and the the ownership thing was just right, just something we started with early on and said you know let's let's try to do this right mm. let's let's try to build ownership and I, we've sold maybe 15 or 20 homes not more than that um yeah i maybe 30 or 40 homes in the town and and that makes a difference to, to people mm -hmm. you know um, I also got involved with a, a nonprofit um, here in Lake County called SEPA, Community Partners for Affordable Housing. I was president of the board of, a, of another organization they acquired called Affordable Housing Corporation. And their mission is to provide affordable housing, um, uh, uh, affordable housing units and uh, renovate distressed property and, um, you know, just build communities. And that, that's kind of rubbed off on me a little bit and uh, well, a lot. And so it's, you know. It's just been on our mindset mm. the whole time. Yeah. And do you see, because I'm envisioning being in a small town, everybody's somewhat connected. Do you see that your desire to build high quality product that you give everybody that rents from you an opportunity to own, do you find that that makes it easier to acquire properties? People are more likely to sell them to you? Um, yeah, I, I mean... Uh, you, you do get uh, a reputation for somebody who's able to... Um, to um, execute if they want to buy the property. Um, yeah, we have found through relationships like that, we have found a lot of assets. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say yes. I mean, I, you know, I don't think um, folks are necessarily running to us to sell a property at a mm -hmm. discount, right? Um, because they know we're going to do the right thing with it, but it doesn't hurt that they know that, um, you know, we produce the best product in town. And um, even though some of our, uh, competitors in town would say, yeah, your rents are too high. That's not right. You know, mm -hmm. but they don't provide the product we provide mm -hmm. and their client isn't looking for the high end uh, finishes that we provide. You know, if they want a cheap property and low rent, there's a lot of those, um, I'll call them slumlords mm -hmm. that, you know, we'll, we'll mm -hmm. that, and that's not us. You mentioned the high quality of your builds. Um, and you also mentioned earlier when we were discussing pre-show how to build your own contractor team. So I assume that that plays a heavy hand in your ability to do such a high-end rehab. Could we kind of get into how you built your team and that process? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it is just is networking and um, I don't want to say luck, but, you know, I mean, you make your own luck, but you just keep talking to people, your local Home Depot or your local Menards, talking to them at their pro desks about who the best people are and then, you know, retaining them. You know, our staff... Fortunately, I've had our folks on staff seven, eight, nine years. Um, my lead contractor, who you know, I could walk away tomorrow and he could handle everything that uh, I'm, I'm kind of you know uh, handling myself too much sometimes. Mm. You know, he's been with me mm -hmm. for seven or eight years and just knows quality. Right? We built everything from 
um, million and a half dollar flips down to $150,000 single family home rentals or, you know, uh, $80,000 um, uh, apartment units, right? Um, or rehab them. And um, so the, the high end stuff rubs off on the, the rental, right? And really mm -hmm. helps build that, that quality product. So um, the one thing I'd say is once you get somebody good, you just take care of them, right? You just, um, you, you make sure that they're somebody that's happy long-term and especially in this job market and in this labor market for construction, so hard to keep people, mm -hmm. so hard. And mm -hmm. We've been fortunate just to have long-term relationships with all of our trades and, and lead people. And it's a small group. It's less than 20 um, c contractors and, you know, um, plumber, electricians, HVAC, roofers, flooring, you know, all these folks that um, some of them have been with us from the start. And it's just, um, yeah, just take care of them. Yeah. That's incredible. I love your emphasis on taking care mm. of people in general, right? So you're talking about taking care of your customers. You're talking about taking care of your tenants. So, I mean, it's very clear that you've been able to build this business a large part because your heart is in the right place. Yeah. Well, it, you know, um, thank you. Mm. Right, yeah. But uh, you mm. know, at the same time, um, people are taking care of you, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's only right to return mm -hmm. the, um, the, the, um, I don't want to say generosity, but the uh, reciprocate with their um, with their willingness to take care of you. So, I mean, a renter is not your um, your adversary; they're your customer, right? And so, you do everything within limits, right, to to um, to take care of them. You know, if if somebody doesn't treat you right, right, they don't pay their rent, um, they damage the property, then you know, then there's repercussions for that. And, uh, you know, um, if, if anybody asks you, you know, I, I'm, I, I like, I like the fact that, um, or I, I like to take care of people who take care of me. And if they, if they don't, then, you know, um, we've got to take actions that aren't in our, both our best interests, but it's something that's got to be done, whether it's an eviction or, um, you know, going after them legally for damage or, or whatever. But, um, but if people are taking care of you, you take care of them. Yeah. A couple of questions I think our audience will have that maybe are not as natural to this thought process that maybe they want to do this, but they're naturally a slumlord in their, in their mind yeah. is one might be mm -hmm. how, how do you justify with the rising price environment on homes? How do we justify mm -hmm. getting that return? Um, still putting high quality products in a much higher cost home. And then second would probably be, uh, well, actually we'll start with there. Sure. So, um, um, I guess, you, you know, uh, a high quality finish doesn't necessarily have to be a super high cost product. Mm. Right. Um, you, you know, we, um, we work with a, a kitchen manufacturer that, um, can do a, an apartment kitchen, nice cabinets, three quarter inch plywood, soft clothes, dovetail, um, finished boxes for 1500 or $2,000, um, you know, uh, lighting fixtures, you find those deals at the Menards or Home Depots. Um, you buy decent Moen faucet fixtures, you put down flooring that you negotiate a, a deal with, with a, um, one of the big boxes or somebody else that you can buy in bulk. And by bulk, I don't mean, you know, you're going to buy a hundred grand worth of it, but you know, 10 grand or so and use it on all your properties. So, those are the ways you find some efficiencies. 
to keep your costs down and, um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and provide a quality product without breaking the bank. Yeah. And provide more efficiency for your guys. I mean, if you've got a, a mini warehouse where you've got a one or two to five projects of supply ready to go. Yeah. Right. It's, co it's cookie cutter, mm -hmm. right? It's always the same, right? Mm -hmm. We use a light gray on the walls. It's always the same. We use a, a, a gray or tannish tone flooring. It's uh, products called Allure from uh, Home Depot. And it's just a, a thin um, luxury vinyl plank that is, is very durable and it works. Um, our, you know, kitchen cabinets from our local manufacturer up here in Bristol, Wisconsin called Kitchen Cubes. Uh, and just, you know, you, you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again and you get good mm -hmm. at it. So that's, that's what I tell you. Don't recreate the wheel. Don't, you know, oh, I got to do these special fixtures because this apartment's going to rent for $200 more. No, let's do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, so obviously yeah. one is the overall cost of the build. And then do you find that putting that, like, basically as you're putting in, and, and you did answer some of it in the sense that you said that it's not necessarily higher cost to get the higher end finishes. But my, my natural thought, you know, if I'm thinking of how I would be thinking if I was, you know, against this idea would be the damage to the property is going to be greater because you've put more money into this thing to make it so nice, right? Like the slumlord comes in, buys the property, does nothing for as long as humanly mm -hmm. possible. You come in and put everything is like brand new and amazing. The damage mm -hmm. that tenant can do in theory could be a lot worse because they just damage all this 20 to $30,000 you put into the property. Sure. So um, the difference is, and, and I'm not going to say that doesn't mm -hmm. happen. It does, right? There is some damage, but you, I think you build in a way that's not going to encourage damage, mm. right? Um, you haven't heard me say the word carpet yet. Right. right. Because <laughs> we don't use a lot of it because you have to, you know, early on we did, but now we use luxury vinyl plank mm. on everything because it's durable long-term. Hardwood floors, refinish them. Used to be, a, you know, a buck 25 a square foot. Now we're up to $2 a square foot on our refinishing costs, but um, sanded, you know, uh, stained, two coats of very durable uh, synthetic varnish. Um, it's going to last for 10 plus years and it has, right. Um, kitchen cabinets that are, aren't cheap, right. They're not fiberboard, they're plywood, right. So find a good supplier for that. And, um, but the most important piece of this whole thing is who you're renting mm -hmm. to, right. Mm -hmm. If you charge higher rents, you get higher quality tenants every single time, every single time, right. Um, I, I think there's a very important place for affordable housing and um, uh, vouchers in our community, right? But I don't rent to Section 8 tenants. And the reason I don't do it is because, number one, they don't provide longer-term leases. Um, and, you know, we've found more success with a rent-to-own program than we have with doing short-term to tenants that might... Um, that might need financial assistance. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, um, we just, we stay away from that. And it, it's worked very, very well for us in keeping our damage costs down. And, um, you know, when, when we're renting, we're renting to somebody who's got the mindset of, I might own this someday. Yeah. So I'm not going to abuse mm -hmm. it. Right? And that, that's a big difference. Yeah. Well, and I know as being a math teacher, like we would, we would listen to all these studies about students and whatnot. And one of the studies that like really stuck in my mind was they talked about like the schools that focused on keeping the grounds perfect. 
and would immediately paint over any graffiti and would immediately take action on any negative aesthetics, like would have way less problems because they had put like people don't want to mess up something beautiful typically. And exactly. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that speaks well to your point. What about, okay. So I'm just trying to poke holes in this, but you're doing a phenomenal job. Yep. So what, what about the person that's <laughs> like, I was going to buy this house and this guy charged me too much rent and now I can't buy it. And even though it's not your fault, cause you've provided an amazing opportunity, their own circumstances have dictated they cannot buy this house. And now they're upset. Do you see much of that? I mean, it's happened. Um, it, it, you know, what, what we do with our, um, with our uh, um, program is we set the price of the home when they move mm. in. And it doesn't change for three mm. years. So everybody knows what they're stepping into. Right. And you have that three year period to save. And we help you do that by giving you $150 credit per month, uh, getting your financial house in order even more so than when you stepped into the property. And um, so, you know, the opportunities are there. Now, life circumstances dictate different things for different people, and sometimes they don't work out, and that's unfortunate. But, um, you know, it's uh, we're pretty upfront about the way that our program works and how we try to help people, um, you know, eventually buy the home. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Incredible. Two more questions come to mind. One, when you're sure. pricing the property, because you are pricing it for a three-year period, is it based on comps and market value at the time, or do you build in a premium on the price knowing that you're locked in for three years? We used to base it uh, at slightly above what we thought the market could bear, mm -hmm. slightly, right? Now with um, property appreciations and um, um, inflation and you know the cost of things, I mean, you know, uh, I remember selling houses for 99 grand on rent to own programs when, after I bought them for 30 mm -hmm. and you know, you can't, the sticks and the bricks are more than a hundred mm -hmm. grand. Now, right. So, so, mm -hmm. but what we do now is we, we price in uh, an appreciation amount, um, into that. So if we're uh, looking at a house today and we think that the market value is 210, we might price it at 220 or 230. Now, the important thing to understand with these programs is, there's added value for an investor on a rent to own program. And why is that? Because the property is always rented until the day of sale. Mm. There's no um, make ready rehab or, or sale prep that you have on the property when you're selling it. Mm -hmm. There's no commission. There's no broker involved either side. So there's tens of thousands of dollars that an investor saves if they sell the property to that tenant. Yeah. When repairs need to be done in the three-year period, which probably not many because you're, you're renovating these things pretty good, but do tenants just take care of them because they feel like they own it? or Some, Sometimes they do, but, but what we say is, look, we'll take care of anything major. If your furnace mm -hmm. goes out, we got yep. you. Your roof, you know, we'll take care yeah. of it. A major appliance, we got yeah. it. But... You take care of the first three hundred bucks mm. of any, any 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 repair because it's a rent to own program mm. and you know it's it's something you should be all the toilet of. stuff all the oh, yeah that's yeah that's great we'll do it yeah we do do it and we can do it more cost effectively than they can hire a plumber to do it right but you know there's a cost yeah. for 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 that so take care of your place and 
nine times out of 10, they do. That's, I mean, that's such a great point. When you think about flips, I mean, the real estate costs, commissions are really high, assuming the investor's not an agent. Yeah, there's there's so much wisdom in that. Um, yeah, really cool. I'm, I'm glad you broke that down. You don't lose a day of revenue. Yeah. Because when, I, when, I, when I'm done with a rental and a, an investor wants to sell that property, I have three or four months. Mm -hmm. No rent, fix it up. Pay the you know pay all the the brokers commissions and everything else. The other thing we do in our rent to own programs too, because we're we are providing a really good value to the to the tenant, to the resident, right? To buy the house, we require that they pay all closing costs. Mm. It's not a ton of money, but it you know it's because we're providing that value, we push those costs onto them, and um, we don't get pushback because they know they're they're getting a great value. We just sold one. Um, it was probably a. $190,000, $200,000 house. We just sold it for um, $159 minus their credits. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they're walking into $30,000, $40,000 in equity. You know, don't have an appraisal uh, appraisal concern, mm -hmm. right? FHA loan. It's it's a good deal for everybody. Yeah. So talking about the credits. So the way that that's structured, I'm assuming, is the money stays with you. It's, mm -hmm. it's then tallied. And then if they mm -hmm. buy, that goes to them. And then if mm -hmm. not, then, then you keep it. Correct. Yep. And when they renew, we say, you know, you are starting over now, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you didn't execute in that three-year period. Mm -hmm. And um, the, here's the new price on the home, right? Because the market's changed and, you know, we have the, we have the right, we yeah. have the ability so to adjust that, that purchase price in the three -year period. So, I think earlier you asked about marketing of the midterm and short-term rentals, not to meet, not, not to bounce around here, but mm -hmm. um, we, we advertise on the two biggest platforms, Airbnb and VRBO. And we also advertise on Zillow furnished rentals. And mm. uh, believe it or not, that pulls in, that pulls in clients as well. So, um, uh, yeah. So from a marketing and advertising standpoint, we do some, uh, Google, Google advertising mm. as well. Google search terms. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, Bill, I know you're looking to connect with more investors and you're also looking to connect with people that might need property management services in Lake County. So anybody listening, like what would be the best way for them to reach out with you so they could get in touch sure. with you? You can go to our website, rtoproperty.com, uh, and uh, our, our contact information is there. My, my email, bill at rtoproperty.com, um, is uh, I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of there. So. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you guys asked or, or said early on yeah. when I was talking about my craziest investment, uh, at the beginning of the show, um, you know, uh, we have a, a fun thing on our website on the, um, completed flips page or completed developments page. Mm -hmm. And I follow the, I used to watch the show flip or flop. So we named each one <laughs> of the properties, whether it was a flip or whether it was a flop. So there are a few flops. On there, guys. <laughs> there, it, it's not been all roses. If you haven't done a, you haven't done yep. a flip and it hasn't turned into a flop, then you haven't been doing enough exactly. of them. Exactly. Or you know, mm -hmm. you've just been too conservative and let too many good deals go by the wayside. So, um, yeah, and you know, we we name them too. So there's kind of some fun stuff on the website. <laughs> or, uh, you know, belly flop or um, triple triple oh. flip with a twist, and I mean, just you know, there, there's been some real good ones, but boy, there's some been there's there's been some painful ones too. So. Yeah. All good. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, awesome. You know, you learn the most from the the oh. failures, really, right? Like the ones that you lose money on, those are the ones that are the biggest learning sure. experiences. Yeah. 
it's funny that you mentioned naming them. We've always named ours. It's like we just call it the street right. name. It's like oh, we're going to Edwood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, with we're all on there. With yeah. you though, you own thirty properties in a small town. You probably have several on the same street. And oh, that's a good know. point. <clears throat> yeah, we do. We, well, in in our uh, blue collar town here in Waukegan, and that's where our office is. Um, I think we have like I don't know eight or ten on one street within a two block you know area, and then uh, in in Libertyville, we've bought bigger blocks of, of land, hopefully for redevelopment in the future. But uh, yeah, you know, buying neighbors properties and, and adding on to the, the Airbnb portfolio that way. And I really like how you highlighted essentially this idea that like, you want to have a balance between how much risk you take, because you're, you're essentially saying that if you're making killer deals on every single deal, then you're not being aggressive enough. Like you should push to where you find not, not that you're failing a lot, but that you're having at least some failure to know that you're pushing the envelope. Yep. I remember when I first started my first handful of flips, like they were all 100K plus profit flips because I live in California where there's a ton of appreciation and it's been a great market. So I benefited from all that. And I remember just kind of like talking about it very proudly to a guy. And he goes, look, you're an idiot. Like if, <laughs> if you have to demand 100K profit from every deal that you do, like you're probably doing a tenth of what you could do. And it kind of woke me up. So I, I think that's a really good nugget. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, I don't know what you do, but we still target or we do now, right? A um, hundred grand uh, yeah. per flip. Oh, and, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we do. And, and it, for two reasons. One, we, you know, we used to say, hey, look, can we make 30? Can we make 40? Can we make 50? Um, um, and, and those were fine, right? But I don't want to do as many flips now. I want to focus more on multifamily redevelopment, taking an apartment complex that was, we're just finishing up one right now. We bought it for 3 million. Um, the value is, um, is now 5 million, right? Yeah. And that's in a nine month period. So we took our, our partners, put in a million in equity, took it all out, refinance, move on to the next one. That's more yeah. of our focus than, you know, a flip that we can make 50 grand on because it's, um, you know, we've kind of moved past that, but, uh, you're right. I mean, you, you, you have to take calculated risk. Um, I'm much older than you, so I take le probably less risk mm -hmm. uh, because I'm just not, you know, I'm not uh, early on. I needed to do that. Now I'm just yeah. a little bit more conservative. So love it. Yeah. Well, you're in a different phase. You, you've yeah. you've reached the top of the mountain, and you're just. I mean, obviously you're still climbing, but but it's it's good. Yeah. You know, it. it uh, I don't know if you've ever been to um, any of the IMN conferences. Uh, single family home investors conferences and that yeah check into them They're the phoenix and miami uh, but the, you, you go to those and you realize how small you are oh yeah with yeah you know, <laughs> with uh with the number of uh number of properties that you have you know guys that well i've got two thousand i've got um i've got five thousand i've got a thousand i mean the, you know those are big time operators that you can really learn how to scale and and uh operate your business um at at bigger numbers. So yeah. yeah, love it. Love that. Yeah. I'm in a group called Go Abundance. And okay. so there are some minimum net worth thresholds that you have to be in. Sure. And so I'm, I'm very near the bottom of this totem pole. Right. That's the and best place to be. Oh yeah. Always yeah. the best place it's, to be. It's like, I, I just don't even talk in that group. I'm just like, I, right. I'll just listen. Yeah. Um, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a so glimpse of your life and business. business. Absolutely fantastic. And everyone else out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, 
just write down one action that you got from today and make sure to implement it in the next seven days. And please, share it with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode, and we will catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 